Welcome, everybody. It is time to get in the cage here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And who better to talk MMA with than a man who's associated with this sport as much as anybody possibly could be. He's a legend, and now he is an analyst for Bellator. Bellator is back. Bandejas versus Pettis coming up on Friday. Bellator 242. And the man who will be on the call is with us now, the one, the only big, John McCarthy. John, how are you, man? I'm good. How's it going? It's good to talk to you again, and, I, and I'm glad we're going to be able to actually hear you again. What's what's this been like for you? Uh, I, obviously, there have been events going on and other promotions that you could watch and, and entertain yourself. But just you, you've been you've just dove you dove in headfirst as a, as an analyst. It's your new career. You're no longer a referee, and and then boom, pandemic happens. You got nothing going on. What did you What did you do to kill time? <laughs> uh, I was actually really busy. I- Bellator gave me a lot of things to actually do. Um, I did a ton of interviews and things like that. I have a podcast with Josh Thompson called Weighing In that we spent a lot of time doing. So I did keep busy, did a, every honey-do list there could be for my wife, you know, <laughs> at, uh, where I live. But I am glad to be getting back to work uh, doing uh, what I really enjoy doing and being able to call the fights. Hey, what do you, and I'm sure you've watched some of the other fights that have gone on in the UFC, and, and I'm curious your perspective on that, because what I've been trying to tell people, or say to people anyway, is the silver lining to no fans and, you know, going through what we're going through is we get a chance to watch a sport that we love in a way that you never really get an opportunity to, unless you watch The Ultimate Fighter or something, and that is, with no crowd there, you're hearing these strikes land, you're hearing these kicks land, you're hearing conversations you otherwise wouldn't hear with an arena full of people which for a short period I think is a really cool thing for fans. But for you, how, how, have, you, how have you viewed it? Have you enjoyed it? Or does it feel like it's not nearly as exhilarating? What's, what's your take on it, Ben? No, what really is uh, kind of funny is this is exactly what referees have in fights all the time. You're right there. You hear everything. And people come out at times and, you know, a fight will happen and you'll go, oh, my God, this happened, right? And they go, Really, I didn't. I didn't hear that. It's like you didn't hear that, man. I thought you would have heard it, but this is exactly what it's like when you're the referee in there. You hear how hard the the shot lands. You hear the talk between the fighters. It's it's kind of funny listening to the commentators because even as a commentator on the outside, you never hear everything that that referee hears inside of that cage. So it's kind of funny to listen to the commentators now start to react to some of it the way they are it's like i guess yeah but you really don't hear it the same way as when you're actually right there inside hey before i ask you about the card coming up here it, uh just as as a ref and you you are the standard by which everybody else is measured and there are only so many great there you know herb dean is one of the greats and there are a few others but what i was thinking you know that we we would see I don't know, maybe just a different level of refereeing during this pandemic because they're not, nobody's being swayed by the crowd. I was, I was thinking, all right, the judges are going to be in a much better spot. Referees are going to be in a much better spot. There's not the electricity of a crowd swaying decisions one way or the other. I don't feel like we've seen that. I, can't, I think it was two fight nights ago on UFC, and the, there was a ref that kept standing up guys when they were in side control, and they were in a dominant position, and he's, oh. he's standing them up. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? How— What's your take been on the, the, the officiating in terms of the referees and, and some of the judging that I thought wouldn't be swayed because there'd be no crowd, but there's been problems with that as well? Yeah, you know, it's funny because that referee that you're talking about, I know him and I know him well, and he's a good guy. He's from England. 
and he was making some stand-ups, and I was looking going, wow, you are way so far outside of the the norm of what we would say, yes, you can stand somebody up in this time and position. But, you know, and it, why? I can't tell you. Maybe he was just, you know, sometimes you're trying to make action in a fight. It, sh- it shouldn't be that way. And I tell referees all the time, hey, man, look, at you cannot make a bad fight good, but you can definitely make a good fight bad yeah. by making these types of decisions and stuff. So there's been some really good decisions that referees have made. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, Herb Dean has made a couple of really good stoppages during, you know, this time when we've had this pandemic and no crowds and things like that and, and done things that you go, man, that's exactly what we want. And we've had other ones that are not what we want. And it's, it's just different, and everyone's going to react a little bit different. The judging has been I, – I always look and say that I think the judging is should be or is more effective during this time because you, you, you don't have the crowd. You don't have all of the, the influence that that can have over you know, what happens in a fight, and you hear things. And, and anytime you can use more than one sense, you know, be it your vision and then also your auditory by your ears and hearing the impact that should help the judges in saying exactly who's winning the fight. So you would think that it would always be easier, but it's not. It's a difficult job in either, you know, either of them. It's, it's a lot harder than people think. Right. Yeah. Easy for me to, to you know, yell out criticisms from my couch. So I, I, I get it. <laughs> well, you, and it's okay. You know, it's, it's, it is we want perfection and we should that's part of the whole thing is we want you know everything to be done right every time and wanting it and truly being able to expect it are two different things and you know those guys are doing the best job they they can do along with the judging and stuff but we're always going to have times that we feel the decision that was made is not the right decision compared to the way that we're looking at the fight right right I just, yeah, maybe I was foolish to think it would change at all. I just thought, okay, the refs aren't going to be swayed by, you know, crowd booing and, you know, rushing a, a stand-up and all that, but that that clearly wasn't the case. But moving on to what what's happening Friday, uh, Bellator 242, headlined by uh, Sergio Pettis and Ricky Bandeas. Where, where are you at with Sergio Pettis? He's a guy that obviously, based on the success of his brother, um, had a lot of expectation attached to him when he was in the UFC. And he didn't quite live up. He had, he had a stretch where he lost three of four, and then he, he won his final fight in the UFC and then wins his first fight in Bellator. Is he a guy that you, know, you hear people talk, oh, he was rushed. They, they put him in against uh, you know Henry Cejudo way too early, and he you know because of his name, he got rushed through the, the ranks, so to speak. Do you, do you think they, they pushed him a little bit too quickly? I think that, you know, not so much that they pushed him so much, we expected too much quick, too quick. And that was because of his brother, you know, Anthony had become a world champion and he was so good and uh, so dominant for a little while there that we expected that Sergio being someone that they look very similar, they fight very similar. And so we expected them to, you know, have the same results. And you got to figure Sergio Pettis right now is 26 years old. He's I believe this is going to be his 25th professional fight against Bandejas. And, you know, at 26, he's a baby in this sport. He's got so much time, and he's only getting better. 
and he's what's his record? I believe nineteen and five right now. Yeah, and he's got big wins against you know Joe Benavides, who you know just fought for the title. You know, he's got a win against Joe. He's got big wins against good fighters, and he is a really dynamite fighter, and he's only getting better. And I, I honestly believe he fights better at the Bantamweight division of 135 than he does at the 125 based upon the weight cut. He doesn't have as much of a weight cut. He's got more energy. You watch what he did in his debut against Alfred Kashaki and Alfred, you know, I've, I'd refereed Alfred early on, and he has huge power for a bantamweight. I think he had 11 knockouts out of his 11 wins, and Pettis just looked incredible against him. It was his movement, the little slight angles he took, and when the opportunity came to finish the fight, man, he jumped on it, and he looked fantastic. So I cannot wait for this fight against him and Ricky Bandejas. Well, and for people that don't know, and, and Pettis is a bigger name to to the casual fan, but Bandejas is a is a heck of a fighter, man. I mean, he's thirteen and three. Uh, he's he's a heck of a bantamweight. For those that haven't had a chance to see him, just talk about what he presents in, in the way of a challenge for Pettis. Well, he is um, he hasn't gotten the recognition that he deserves. He's even in Bellator, you know. Let's just be honest. Bellator brought him in and uh, put him against James Gallagher, and you know they were really pushing James Gallagher as the next you know big thing from Ireland. And Van Dehaas put a huge you know roadblock in the middle of that freight train and just destroyed James Gallagher. Put on a beautiful performance, hit him with a beautiful front, you know side kick to the face and knocked him out and did it all in the first round and has just performed beautifully in every fight that he's had in Bellator, except for one against Patrick Mix. He got, you know, he made a mistake. Patrick Mix got his back. Patrick Mix did exactly what Patrick Mix has done to everyone, and that's why he's undefeated. And that's been his only setback. Other than that, he did lose to Juan Archuleta in a decision, but it was a close fight. Right. And he's had other spectacular knockouts. He's super long for the division. As far as, you know, a bantamweight, he's real long and tall. And he's got power. He's got power when he goes backwards. You'll see a lot of his his knockouts. He's sucking a guy in, and someone's starting to charge at him, and he waits, waits as he's going backwards, and he'll unleash a shot. And he's got power for a light guy, which you don't find a lot. And he puts people to sleep. So this should be a great fight. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Uh, we're speaking with Big John McCarthy here on 710 ESPN Seattle, Bellator 242, happening Friday on the Paramount Network. Cannot wait for this card. Let me ask you about one more fighter before I let you go, John, and that kind of falls into the same conversation we just had about Sergio Pettis, and that's Aaron Pico. I mean, this this is a kid that had a lot of hype before that debut, and then the debut did not go the way that everybody expected. He he lost on a guillotine choke very early in round one. Um then he strings together some wins, and then and then he loses two in a row, and then he gets back in the win column. Is he another guy where the expectations that were placed upon him were just too too lofty, or what, what do you make of what he's been so far compared to the way he was being touted coming in? I, I think it's exactly what you're saying, is the expectations were so high based upon an amateur career in wrestling, and a background in boxing, and everyone's going, oh, my God, this guy is the next thing. But, you know, he was so young. He's 18 years old. 
And we sometimes expect just for people to walk through good fighters because here's the difference. A lot of fighters are brought up and they're given, you know, fights that, not that, you know, are, this is a given fight, you know, you're going to win it, but it's a fight that you look and you go, you should win this. This is, this is an opponent that, you know what, you match up well with. And you start giving the fighters those type of fights to build their career, to get them experience. That did not happen for Aaron Pico. He made the choice that he wanted to fight tough guys, and it was a bad choice by a young man who truthfully didn't understand the sport of MMA. I think Aaron now understands the sport. I, I always go back and I look and you know, there, there's an old fighter that people are going to forget, but he was a champion in the UFC, and that was Carlos Newton. Oh, yeah. He was the welterweight champion. And Carlos Newton, if you go back and look, he was 4-3 and three as a fighter in the first part of his career, and he became a world champion. And no doubt in my mind, Aaron Pico will be a world champion in the sport of MMA. He's growing. He's learning. He's learning the sport of MMA. He's with a good camp that's going to teach him the things that he did not know before, and we're going to see a guy blossom from this point forward, I think. Well, that'll be the uh, opening bout on the main card, Aaron Pico versus Solo Hatley Jr. It is Bellator 242 happening Friday on Paramount Network. Big John McCarthy will be on the call. Can't wait to hear it. John, so great to catch up with you again. Thanks so much, as always, for your time, my friend. I look forward to talking again soon, and stay safe out there. Hey, thank you so much, and I appreciate everything, and hope you enjoy the fight.